Well, good morning, church family. Welcome to part two of a series we started last week called He Speaks Deep as we look at some of the deep teachings of Jesus, deep things he said, deep things he taught. And here's the deal. Some of this stuff that we're going to be talking about, it's hard. It's like conceptually hard. It's like, what was Jesus meaning when he said this? But, but I think way more than that, sometimes we read something and we're like, what? Did Jesus really, did he really say that? Did he mean it the way that he said it? And the struggle is for us to apply it to our lives, right? There's a whole lot of us that we can hear the word of God, we can read the word of God, and we're like, yes, but then it's like, how do we apply the word of God? And when Jesus challenged his disciples and his followers to deep, deep things, it was on them to respond. Are we going to obey? Are we going to take Jesus at his word? Or are we going to just merely be hearers of the word and not doers? And so I'm praying as we go through this series that it's a time where we learn about Jesus and what he said, but it's also a time that we apply and live it out. And that is the challenge of the Christian walk, right? Right. So we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount again today. So Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, uh, just a reminder, you can always follow along in the app. If you go to the app store, search Oakwood Enid, download the Oakwood app, and then there's a place in there for uh, sermon notes, a place for you to take notes in the app, as well as follow along with all the scripture and the bullet points. We'd love to have you engage the word of God that way. Last week when we started this series, you might remember that we talked about relationships the, the Bible is a book about relationships, and really two, our relationship with our Heavenly Father and our relationship with one another, our relationship with humans. Last week went kind of off the deep end because, you know, we were talking about forgiveness, and it's like, yes, if you're a Christian, yes, we know we're supposed to forgive people. But then Jesus goes to the deep end and says, hey, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, those that come against you. Those that are mean to you, like pray for those people and love on those people. And you're just like, what? I mean, do you really mean that? But today we're going to be talking about something else in life. Now, I I just want to, before I go any further today, just say this. Today's message is one of those messages that I'm not coming to you as your pastor because I have it all together in this area. Because I don't. What we're going to be talking about today is one of those areas that I have struggled with. I have struggled with it, if I'm being 100% honest, this week. And I struggled with it yesterday. So sometimes it's kind of hard when Jesus challenges us with the scripture and with the word to be able to come up and present it to you and, and to say, hey, I, this is something I've got under control in my life and I, I know how to do this and, and follow me as I follow Christ and walk this thing out. But I just want to be 100% transparent and honest this morning and say, I don't, I don't have this 100% walked out in my life. But I hope that as fellow journeymen and women with Christ that we can do this together. So Matthew uh, chapter 6, we're going to begin at verse 25 today. Uh, My subheading in my NIV Bible says, do not worry. Jesus goes deep here as we get further into the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we were in uh, Matthew chapter 5, today in Matthew chapter 6. He goes a little deeper and a little further today with this concept about priorities in life and how that relates to worry. I'm just wondering if any of you have struggled with worry lately. I think worry has made a a good living these days, if you think about it. So many of us might be worried about the future because we don't know what it holds. 
They could be on a macro level and a micro level. A macro level that we're worried about the world and the wars and the rumors of war. And if you're in the military, it seems like we're just right there on the verge, right? We've got this conflict and this conflict and there's threats coming from other countries against us. And you just never know when you're going to be tapped on the shoulder to be deployed and flown around the world and might be in conflict somewhere. And so we think about those things and, and, and we worry. Well, we, we worry about other things too. Maybe it's not on a macro level. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it's just, you know, the corruption in the world, the corruption in, in our government, that, that we now have elective officials that, that you might be feeling like I do sometimes, that they don't have the same morals and values and the same beliefs that I have. And it's, it's one of those things that it kind of worries me about the future and, and what, what's the next law that they're going to pass or what's the, the next direction that it's going to go. And we worry about that. Some of, some of us, it's at, at a micro level, it's in, it's in our families, right? We're worried about, you know, what's going to happen to our kids and what's next for them and what's going to happen in this relationship uh, that I'm in and what's going to happen at work because, you know, I, I heard that at work that this is going on and, uh, you know, some of you are like, man, I might have to move and I've got all these moving arrangements and, and we, we worry about that. Some of us worry about the, the future when it comes to financial situations. Maybe, maybe we just haven't operated our finances the way the Bible says, and so we're really struggling now. It's like, what are we going to do? Like, am I going to have enough? And how we're going to fund this? And and then I've got this coming up. And some of us, it's it's about our work situation. We don't know if we're going to have a job, or maybe we're in that transitionary period where it's like, man, we're trans transferring or trans or going, you know, get from this job to this other field. And it just seems like all of these things are thrown at us in life. And that some of us, if we can be a hundred percent honest this morning, we say, yeah. I worry about that stuff. I can relate to that. And here today, Jesus is going to challenge us, and especially challenge us in this area of worry. Let's read the text together, um, beginning with verse 25. It says, he starts out by saying, therefore, and I know you've heard this a hundred times from me. Anytime you read scripture and you see therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Usually what it refers is back to something he just said. So we're not going to read all of it, but he was just talking in the section above this about storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. And he's talking about priorities in life and how you shouldn't treasure the things of this world, but we should treasure the things of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God more. And so, so it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and, he, and he, say, he gets, well, let's just read it. Verse 24, right before our text this morning, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he, he clarifies it with this. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't be pursuing, saying, oh, I'm pursuing money, and then also be pursuing God. And you can't say, oh, I'm pursuing God and be pursuing money. You can't have this, this one foot step over here and this one foot, and, and it's in both worlds and it's both pursuits. You can't have that. And so then Jesus gets into verse 25 and he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. He's just talking about your life, your existence, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Now, now remember here, sometimes we read this, we think, okay, Jesus was in a sanctuary, this is the sermon, and he was in a sanctuary, they were all sitting listening, and, and so he's just giving an illustration here. No, no, remember where we, where we were at when we started last week. The Sermon on the Mount, he's outside on the side of a mountain, 
And it says, the text says that he sits down. I picture him sitting on a rock or, or, or maybe a, a piece of wood that's, you know, a stump or something. He's, just, he's sitting down. And the people have gathered around him on this hillside on the side of a mountain. And so when he goes in here to verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. What I picture is the people that are sitting there amongst Jesus, they're actually looking around because, you know, it's all, you know, and there's these birds that are just chirping around. They're in the trees over here, and there's a whole flock that's landed over here. And Jesus sees him, and he says, I'm going to use this moment. I'm going to use this environment that, that, that my, my heavenly Father and I, that we, that we have created this together, and I'm going to use this. And so, so be there in the moment, okay? Be there in the moment with Jesus. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, are, are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And, and why do you worry about clothes? You see how the flowers of the field grow? And again, I, I picture that he's there and he's, he's looking out into this field and there's these wildflowers, beautiful wildflowers, just, just, just right over there from Jesus in the crowds. And he draws their attention to that. He says, see how the flowers of the field grow? They, they don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who is the richest man of all time, that not even Solomon, King Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. And if, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You, of little faith? So do not worry, saying, well, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after, they hotly pursue all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Several things I want us to draw out of this passage this morning as we we talk about worry. And, and, and the first one is this. We need to understand we are God's supreme creation. And so God cares most deeply about us. He cares most deeply about us because we are his supreme creation. I'm not saying he doesn't care about the birds and the fields and all that because he takes care of them too. But how much more does he care deeply about us because we are his supreme creation. We are the only ones on the earth created in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it states it this way. It says, let us make man in our likeness. I believe the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were there. Let us make man in our likeness. And then the next part says that they may rule the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all the animals on the land, that they would have dominion over all the animals and all the livestock and all of the things on the earth. And so we are made in his image as image bearers, that we are made in his likeness. We are the only creation with a heart and a soul and a mind. We, we have cognitive abilities that none other in creation has. We can do things and communicate in ways that no one else in creation can. 
And we are God's supreme creation made in his image. And he has given us, in his likeness, as he has dominion over everything, he has given us dominion over the earth as God's supreme creation. And he gives his attention and his interest to us. Humans are also the only ones that Jesus died for. He didn't come and die for the raccoons, even though I saw like little baby ones in my neighborhood last night. He, Jesus came to die for mankind, the scripture says. We are the only ones that Jesus died for. And the Bible tells us the truth of all of these matters. But as a baseline, we need to understand when Jesus is going into illustrations here about birds and about fields and, and grass and wildflowers and all of this, that he's making a statement here that we as humans, as image bearers of God, are his supreme creation and he cares most deeply about us. The single thing I want to point out from the passage is that worry tears us apart inside. Worry tears us apart. How I came to that was actually just through studying, and, and sometimes I get deep into studying passages, and I get into words, and I get into the original language. And uh, right there at the beginning of this, in verse 25, uh, when Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. That, that phrase there, do not worry, is a Greek word, merimenao. And that's not so important, but what's most important is what it means. Because it means literally that you would take no thoughts that would draw you in different directions. That you would take no thoughts, or you would give no time or thoughts to things that would take you in different directions. And I think what Jesus is describing here is what worry is, because worry tears us apart inside. It, if we're together, it, it just like pulls us this way and pulls us this way. I mean, have you ever experienced this when you're worried about, man, what's going to happen to my kid? And I don't know what's happening here. And then all the, all the finances, you know, and it's, and you feel as you worry about these things, you feel like you're just torn apart. Like you're just scattered and spread in all of these different directions. Worry has a tendency to scatter us. I was up here at the church on a Saturday a few years back, and I encountered something that we have at the church every once in a while. Um, it's a big facility and lots of entrances and everything, and I encountered, I encountered a bug, okay? It was a big bug, it was a spider, all right? Now, it's one of those situations where I was going into this room, I don't remember to grab something, I flip on the light, and there it is, and, and the spider is just like, you know, shocked as I am, you know? And when you see a spider, in the uh, children's area, we have a rule on staff, you kill it, okay? You don't run away, you don't scream, you, you, you kill it, okay? And so it's in this room, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and I was like, caught you. But this thing, as I got up on it, it was huge. I mean, it's really fat. It was one of those juicy spiders. And, and what I found out through research and after I looked at it and stuff is it was actually a wolf spider. So all you arachnid people, you know, okay. So it was a wolf spider. Okay, wolf spiders can get a little juicy. And I took off my shoe to kill this thing because it was, it was large. I mean, it was, it was good size. And it wasn't even all spread out. But it was just so juicy that you have that pause. Have you ever done this? When you're going to kill a bug with your shoe and you have this pause, it's like, this is going to make a mess. I mean, this is going to be gross. I don't even really want to, you know, have you ever done that with like, like a cricket, like a really fat cricket before you just tap it so it doesn't go, and it just gets all over your shoe, and you know, and I, I didn't want to have to go get paper towels and clean it up, and so I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, gosh, that is huge, and I don't know what's going on, I don't know if it has like a tumor, but it just, it was huge, I'm, I'm telling you, 
this wolf spider was huge. And so I take my shoe off and I'm contemplating, okay, do I kill the spider? You know, it's like I have to. I can't, I can't, you know, if I walk away, you know what happens with a spider when you walk away? They're gone. I mean, she gone. Now, she was kind of moving slow, to be honest with you. In fact, she wasn't moving at all. She was sitting there the whole time, which I didn't know if it was like the light turned on. It was like, ah, freeze, you know, as a safety measure. Or, or if it was like it had gone through our tempo. You know, we'd put down, you know, tempo across the building. And so I thought maybe it drug itself, you know, through the tempo. Maybe it was a little, you know, maybe it was dying. And then I thought, well, maybe it's dead, you know. So I decided to go over there as any normal person would. And I got my shoe, and I was like, before I smash it and make the mess, maybe it's already dead. It's not moving. I get right up on it. It's not moving. Still looking really weird and really, really fat. And so I was like, I'm just going to tap it just to see if it's alive. It's not moving. I get really close and it's not moving. Because you know, sometimes you get close to a spider and what do they do? You know, and it's like, wow, it just you know, crawls up. It's in your pocket before you know what happened. Now, she was fat though, so I thought she's going to be a slow mover. But I get up there and I tap it. And when I tapped it, hundreds of spiders crawled off its back. And I was like, what? Now, I'd never seen this before. I didn't know that was a thing with wolf spiders or spiders in general. I, I, I didn't know what to do. So I'm freaking out. I got one shoe off. I'm going to kill this thing. I tapped it. The mama really didn't move. She, she just kind of moved a little bit, but the baby's on her back. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen this or experienced it. You get up YouTube and watch it later today, but it's like a real thing. Like they carry these babies hundreds and they're so small. It was, it was weird. I didn't know what it was. And I thought, that's really weird. And I get closer and closer, and then I realize, oh my gosh, I have unleashed three to 400 baby spiders into our children's wing. <laughs> and I was really, so I start hitting with my size 14 shoe, and I'm hitting, I'm hitting, and I'm like, this is not killing them because they're too small. You know, they get in the little grooves. And so, I mean, it kills some of them, but not all of them. And I'm going around, and I'm like, what, it's the only way you can kill the spiders. What are you going to need? You need bug spray, right? Where do we keep bug spray in the Lord's church? Does anyone know where the bus barn is? Okay, I'm over here. The bus barn is through the oak and over there. But I'm, I'm like, the chemicals are out there in the bus barn. For me to get to the bug spray, so I'm going to have to go through the whole church. When I come back, where are those spiders going to be? Everywhere. So in the moment, I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I, I go grab a paper towel real fast, come in. I'm just trying to dab as many of those as I can. I'm hitting them with my shoe. The mama spider's just pretty much sitting there. I don't know if she was doped or, or just upset or what. So I give her just a little pop so she doesn't just, you know, become like marshmallow ooze everywhere. And I don't want to clean her up. So anyway, but, you know, but the thing was that it reminded me of, it's like, I feel like that's what worry does to us sometimes. It's like, we can feel like we're kind of like, have it together. And then we scatter like that. And it's just like, wow. And I feel like I'm going this way, I'm going this way, this way, this way. This way. And it's this emergency situation and it causes stress. And you know, you're just like, ah. And I think if we're hundred percent honest that all of us in here have done that at some point in our life or have done that recently, maybe you've had those thoughts and those struggles yesterday. Sometimes I think we try to dignify worry a little bit. We call it concern. Oh, I'm not worried. Just concerned about you. Just concerned about the future. And, you know, we can try to clean it up. You know, oh, I'm not worried. I'm just stressed. Stressed. That's it's just a stressor in my life. I'm not worried. It's just a burden. 
It's a burden. It's a burden that I carry. Uh, it's it's my it's my cross to bear. You know, I I I'm worried, but you know, it's it's a cross. I, I'm I'm worried because I care. I'm just caring deeper than more than most people do, and so and we can try to dignify it and clean it up a little bit, and yet. What Jesus says in this passage clearly is, don't worry. Do not worry. Don't worry about the big things in life. Don't worry about the little things in life. And then he gives us, he gives us this. Worry has a tendency to get our priorities disordered. Has this tendency to get our priorities disordered. And this is what Jesus says about that at the end of this passage in verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom. He's talking about his heavenly father's kingdom and his righteousness. Seek those things first. And then all of these other things that you worry about and try to pursue in life, all these other things will be given to you as well. All these other things will be taken care of. They'll be given to you added to you as well. The Father knows that you need some of those things to make it through this world. But you need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if you think about things that you're worried about and that you've thought about and you've put time and energy toward, worry has a tendency to get the priorities disordered. And the remedy for this, right, it's like, what's, what's the remedy, Jesus is found there in verse 33. The first thing that I think Jesus teaches us is that we need to seek the first things first. We have this tendency to seek the first things last, maybe second, third, fourth, fifth down our list, and Jesus would say, whoa, 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 whoa. Seek first the kingdom. Seek the first things first. And are we afraid to seek God first? Are we afraid to believe him in this? to seek him first, to make him the pursuit of our life right now? And if you you think about this, maybe a better question for you to consider is, what are you striving for? What is the hot pursuit in your life? And does that pursuit in some way distract you from what you are supposed to be seeking first? And if you look at your life and you look at the hours in your week and you look at the priorities of attendance and you look at the priorities in your finances, Are you seeking first the Lord? And if you are seeking the Lord first, would you be less worried about all the things that you're worried about? That seems to be what Jesus is offering us here. It reminded me of this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, In all your ways, submit to him, and listen to this, and he will make your paths straight. He's going to lead you in his way everlasting. But we have to trust in him. And part of trusting in him is to seek first things first, the priority of God first. One of my favorite hymns, if you've been at Oakwood for any amount of time, you know, is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I love the lyrics to that song and the focus of that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. The next line says, look full in his wonderful face. And then it says, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim 
in the light of his glory and grace. I think that's what Jesus wants for us, is that the things, the pursuits, and the worries that were so, oh, am I going to have enough? Am I going to make it here? And what about this health thing? And what about my kids? And all of these things that we worry about. Jesus is saying, hey, over here, first things first. Seek first things first. Don't turn your eyes upon a relationship. Don't, don't turn your eyes upon a friendship. Don't turn your eyes on a ball or a sport. Don't turn your eyes on a trophy or some kind of achievement. Don't turn your eyes on your 401k, your stock portfolio, your bank account. Don't turn your eyes upon your house and how big it is and what car you're, you're driving, how nice your clothes are or your accessories. But seek first things first. And then he explains it. He explains it right there in verse 33. He says, Seek first his kingdom. It's talking about God's kingdom, that we are kingdom people. As kingdom people on earth, because our term is not served out here in this world yet, before the world to come, we are to be kingdom workers. It's his kingdom. And it's, if it's his kingdom, then that means that he's what? He's the king. And if we are his subjects, and we're his subjects by choice, he's not forcing us to. We make a decision to give our life to Jesus. We make a decision to follow him. If it's his kingdom, that he's the king, then he is our boss, and we do what the king tells us to do. And what Jesus is saying here is seek first kingdom priorities. Seek first a relationship with God. Seek first things that matter for eternity and not just tomorrow or the time you have here and now. Seek first his kingdom. And then he goes on and he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That, that one's like, because you know, I read that righteousness and I'm like, what's he talking about here? He's talking about righteous living before God, living to God's standards. And I, I get there and I'm like, okay, Jesus, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that look like exactly? Like, what is Jesus saying here? What is he expressing here? What he's saying is that we do what he asks us to do. We obey what it says in scripture. We walk out our faith in obedience to God because he is our king. Because there's certain things that he requires of us, there's certain things that he has asked us to do in scripture. So let's talk about what, what are some of these, these righteousness things that we're supposed to be doing. How about praying? How's your prayer life? How much time did you spend in communication with God this week? Scripture also talks about fasting. When was the last time you fasted and you really used those meal times and the times that you were hungry, that you hungered and thirsted for righteousness and the things of the kingdom more than just the things of this world? We obey his commands. If, if he says that you need to get baptized, then we, we get baptized. I mean, that's not, that's not, not a question. If he says that we are to seek and save the lost, then we should be seeking out and presenting the gospel to the lost. If he says, I want you to worship God first and only, I want him to be the most and the highest and the best in your life. I want him to be the priority. Then we worship God only 
And we don't worship at any other altar in this world. And when we do that, we put God as the priority in our life, that he is the first, our first thought in the morning, our last thought when we go to bed at night, and that everything that we live out in life is lived through this lens of being his child and obeying what the Heavenly Father has asked us to do. When, when Jesus goes on and he says to love one another and serve one another and pray for one another and admonish one another and then all these other one another's that we find, I think there's 26 of them in the New Testament. When he's talking about living out the one another's in life, that is seeking his righteousness. Seeking his righteousness by putting the scriptural things he asks of us into practice. Because he wants us to pursue him and to pursue his priorities in our life. He wants us to get to know him even more. And so we should do things that help us get to know him even more. If you came in this morning and you grabbed one of our bulletins, I think Rusty may have talked about this a little bit ago. Inside is a fluorescent green burn your retina insert. And it's talking about Wednesday nights here at Oakwood. Now, if you want to know what the purpose of Wednesday nights is, it is not to put something on your calendar, okay? If you think, hey, the church, church got to do something, you know, so we're going to do Wednesday nights. No. We're not trying to make you more busy. We're not trying to maybe for some of you take your one night out of the week that this still might be sacred. I know that there seems like, the, like schools and education and sports are putting more and more and more on Wednesday nights, but it used to be kind of a sacred night of the week, that midweek that midweek night where you would go be with the faith community. And we are. We're, do, we're doing Wednesday nights this fall. We call it Oakwood U, Oakwood University. And the whole purpose of this is discipleship. We have stuff for students. We have stuff for kids. We have stuff for adults all over our facility. And, and, and some of those offerings are in that green insert. And you can, you can read that sometime. But I want you to know this isn't something we put on the calendar. It's not something we do because we've always done it. What we are trying to do is to pursue him and his righteousness in community on Wednesday nights. And for some of you, you may say, well, you know, I know I need to make it a kingdom priority and a pursuit. Maybe your next step into a deeper walk with him is to get together with some people on Wednesday night and study the word. Everything that we offer on Wednesday nights is going to have scripture. I mean, that's the truth. That has to be a part of everything that we do as Christians. And so what we're asking you to do is to come and, and, and to be discipled, to grow. And we do that not in rows like on Sunday morning. We do that in circles on Wednesday night. And, and we're gathered in rooms and all over the place. And we're having conversations, spiritual conversations, to help edify each other and sharpen each other and grow each other toward Christ-likeness and toward full obedience and acceptance of God and to follow his ways and his paths. Now, I know some of those, you look on there, it says parenting. Hey, you're going to get parenting through the lens of Scripture, and you're going to be challenged to how do you raise that next generation. Now, I happen to do, be doing that one, shameless plug, uh, but Amy and I are not going to be focused just on three-year-olds and how you get them to not yell at you and say no. We're, we're talking teenagers. We're talking the whole gamut. So maybe that's an area of your life where you could use some discipleship. You could use some of the Scripture. Uh, there's going to be one in there on marriage. Maybe that's a, a, a relationship that you need to focus on and strengthen because you feel like, man, that's getting tore apart. Maybe, maybe it's just a scriptural study. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's, it's the women's discipleship. 
Maybe it's the men's discipleship group. They're doing, they're doing point man, a, a study on how to lead your family. Right? There's all of these opportunities that we have on Wednesday night. It's not to just put something on your calendar. It's not just because we're a church and that's what we do. It's strategic to try to get you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We invite you to be a part of that. And maybe by being a part of that, you're saying, you know what? I'm seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And yes, I'm going to make Wednesday nights a priority. I'm going to be here and I want, I want to grow. I want to just stay where I'm at. I want to grow. It's time. It's time to go deep with God. So we seek first things first. We seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. And then there's the rewards. And Jesus says it this way, that all of these things will be added to you as well. All these things that, you know, and we think of that only in terms of the physical. I think that's just where we're at with humans being on the earth. We think of that in terms of just physical things. And so we're like, yes, if you do that, then, you know, when it comes to food, he's going to serve you just really yummy steak and potatoes. Because that's, that's who we are. That's what we want in terms of physical steak and potatoes. And maybe that's not what God has for us. Maybe he has beans and cornbread. But sometimes I think we're short-sighted into thinking that physical things are the only blessings that God will bring to us and the only thing that needs to be provided for us. Hey, folks, how about peace in your heart? I'll tell you what, I give up steak and potatoes for the rest of my life for a little inner peace. We need to not be so short-sighted with that. We need to understand the richness of what God can provide for our life. Because when you get to the end of your life, and maybe you've experienced this with someone, maybe someone really close to you, like a spouse, maybe it's a brother or sister or another family member, but when people get to the end of their life, isn't it amazing that their priorities are not stuff? They're not like, I'm on, you know, I'm in bed here and I can't get out. Bring me my Mercedes. I need to smell it just one more time. You know, bring, no, no, no. What's the priority there? It's relationships. It's two relationships, the relationship with God and their relationship with other humans. What I experience when people kind of get to the end of their life is they want to spend time with family. They want to spend time with friends. And their priorities shift to these relationships with one another and most importantly with Almighty God. And we need to understand that we don't have to wait for the end to shift our priorities. So many of us are so worried about work and, and about money and about all of these other things. And Jesus is saying, hey, seek first the relationship with my heavenly father, his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness and have these discipleship relationships with one another. And to understand that as children of God, he will always take care of us. He will always take care of us. It may not be in the way we thought, but he will always take care of his children. Now, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, it might be in the form of a physical reward. But I think sometimes the greatest rewards we get are spiritual rewards and relational rewards and the joy of knowing and serving Almighty God. And I will say this, that if you will focus on him, a lot of times you'll find that the worry that was tearing you apart and scattering you and making you just feel out of control, and that, that worry tends to fade when you get to be with Jesus. Colossians 3.2 
Paul reminds us this way. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Because he understood that the earthly things are gonna pass away. And when you pass away, they pass away. No one cares. You're not gonna give an account for your stuff. You're gonna give your account for your relationship with God and your relationship with other people.